Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Yeah, but today I'm going to kick, uh, finish off our No Limits series. And I'm going to talk about something today that um, you may have heard many messages on, but I think I'm probably going to unpack this a little bit differently. I'm going to talk about there being no limits to God's healing. Now, let me start with four statements on the screen that for me through my life, I've grown up in a, a family of faith, an environment of faith, are things that I've come to believe to be true. And that is this, God is good. I just, in the deepest parts of my being, I believe that God is good. That when we study the scriptures, when we read the stories of who God is, the way he interacts with his creation, the way he deals with us, that I've come to the deep conclusion that God in his very nature is good. Secondly, I'd say this, that God is powerful. That God isn't just a good God that doesn't have the power to actually affect change in our world, but God is the all-powerful, almighty God, who by his very word spoke things into being. So God isn't good, but God is also, uh, God isn't just good, but God is also powerful. More than that, that God is sovereign. What does it mean to say that God is sovereign? That God is above and over all things. That ultimately, the will of God will take precedence over all things. And fourthly, I'd say this, that God is present. In other words, God is with us. We're going to talk about that through December. God is with us. And the Bible traces a narrative of how God is always taking the initiative to draw near to us. The Bible doesn't tell us that we spend our life looking in hard-to-find places to see if we can locate him, but God is always taking the initiative to draw near to us. The story of Jesus is the story of how God took the ultimate initiative to step out of the glory of heaven, clothed in humanity, and walk amongst us, because that is what God is like. So God is good, God is powerful, God is sovereign, and God is present. And even though they are core to my belief, it's often the human experience that causes us to wrestle with those statements. You see, we, we, we believe that at our core, but then we look at the world around us and so often there's things happening that make us wonder how that truth that we apply in our heart is applied in the world as we see it. And so today I want to take you to a story in the scripture that deals with a very human, very devastating, grief-filled experience. And I want to ask the question of where do we find God in the midst of this story? If you have your Bible, you're going to open with me. We're going to read some big chunks of scripture today. I won't apologize for that, but just so you can get yourself ready if you want to follow along. John chapter 11, a well-known story about a man named Lazarus. But before we read the whole story, and we will do that a little bit later, what I want us to do is I want us to engage with the story from the human perspective. So I've gone and edited the text, so we're just reading this from the perspective of the people in the midst of the story. See, when John writes it, he tells us two parallel stories. He tells us about two groups of people in two different places and how the story comes together at the end. But I want to start by looking at the human experience of John chapter 11. So from verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. In other words, they had a history with Jesus. And as we read the story, we get a sense that these guys were close friends with Jesus. They'd spent some time together. So Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the the one you love is sick. Fast forward to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So in other words, in the experience of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, it starts with a call to Jesus because Lazarus is sick. The next time we get back to their perspective in the story, Lazarus isn't just sick, Lazarus has passed from this world. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And after she said this, she went back, verse 28, and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? John chapter 11 from the perspective of Mary, Martha, and those gathered around them. If that's the perspective we have, is a story of great despair and grief. And I want to suggest that all of us, in different times, in different places, and to different extremes, have sat in the chair that Mary and Martha sit in, in this particular season of life. It's a chair of deep despair, a chair of deep grief, A time when your faith and your trust in God is questioned. It's a time filled with disappointment, disillusionment, and lament. You see, they knew, they'd seen the powerful work of Jesus. Everything I said before, the goodness of God, the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the presence of God had been their experience. They'd seen him bring people sight that were blind. They'd seen him raise people and help them walk that hadn't walked. They'd seen the miraculous healings when Jesus was present in the midst of personal pain. And in their moment of personal pain, they do the very thing that we do as people of faith. We cry out to one greater than us and ask him to come and help. But right now, their question is, where is Jesus? Because they sent out the SOS. They sent out the request. They asked him to come, and he never came. And now, four days after the death of Lazarus, four days after he's been placed in a tomb, Jesus 
turns up. And the story of Mary and Martha in this moment is a story of lament. And we all live with lament. You know, lament is a natural reaction to a broken, messed up world. And if you wonder what lament is, one of my kids asked me, they saw it on my sermon notes, what's lament? Lament is that deep, just pain and groaning and yearning for something different. It's that perspective on the world that is broken and messed up. It's those moments where we cry out and say, God, this makes no sense and life really sucks. And we all live with lament. It's a natural reaction to a broken, messed up world. You see, lament sits in the space where we wrestle with the goodness and the sovereignty of God in the midst of our current struggle and pain. And lament is all through the scriptures. You see, sometimes the lament is, God, we have sinned against you. We have done what's wrong. And now we're facing the consequences. By your grace, could you rescue us from that? And we all have those moments of lament. You know, those moments where we realize that the pain and the suffering that we face has come about because of our own stupidity. And we lament our stupidity. We ask God for his grace to cover that. The Bible's filled with those moments of lament. But the Bible's also filled with those moments of lament where life makes no sense. Where the Jesus that brought sight to the blind man is now not present when the one he loves, Lazarus, is sick. The Psalms are full of lament. 30% or so of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Listen to some of the lament of the scripture. Psalm chapter 6, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? I am worn out from groaning. All night I long... All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of my foes. Psalm 10. Why, Lord, do you stand off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? You see, lament is a natural human reaction to the brokenness and the misalignment of the world in which we live and trying to make sense of God's place in it. Psalm 44 Fascinating psalm because sometimes we think lament is so easily attached to, you know, God's goodness follows our faithfulness. But what happens when times of distress and trouble and suffering follow our faithfulness? And we've all seen it. You know, those that suffer that you go, that person is devout, they're kind, they're generous, they're loving, they're good, they serve, they give. They're a great example of Jesus and yet they're in the midst of this intense suffering. Those moments when life doesn't make sense. Psalm 44 says this, I live in disgrace all day long and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. All this came upon us though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. In other words, God, everything's falling apart, but we've remained faithful to you and to your commands. And the psalmist then goes on to say this, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? It is very natural for us to live in lament. Lament is the groaning that comes within it, the corruption, the misalignment, the injustice and the pain in the world. Scripture itself says that even creation groans, awaiting its redemption. 
You see, lament by nature is not something we teach people to do, but I want to suggest something new to you, maybe a new discipline, or not a discipline that you put into your calendar, but I just want to suggest that lament is not something that we should avoid. Because I want to suggest that lament is a powerful place that we often find ourselves that doesn't allow us to ever become comfortable with the brokenness of the world in which we live. I want to say as people of faith and people of hope that there are times that we should feel deep lament for the mess of the world in which we live. We shouldn't get comfortable looking at the suffering and the injustice and the things that make no sense. We shouldn't get comfortable with the grief and the pain and the loss. We shouldn't get comfortable with people that don't have a roof over their head or food on their table. We should never get comfortable with the suffering of the innocent or the overbearing of the powerful. We should never get comfortable with that. As people of faith, I want to suggest that lament needs to be part of our story. Because Jesus himself lamented. Before we get to the Jesus perspective, Jesus walks into the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And the scriptures tell us that he sees the deep pain and grief and anguish of their loss. And the most powerful two-word verse in scripture, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. For some of you today, the greatest encouragement you're going to take away from my message is this. That in the midst of your pain and your brokenness, there is a saviour that doesn't sit distant from you. There isn't a saviour that has never entered into the pain of what you walk through. But there is a God in heaven that clothed himself in humanity and sits in the midst of your pain. He empathises with your struggle and he feels the deep weight and grief of the human experience. God drew near, embraced the full nature of humanity, including the grief, the suffering, and the pain. And if in right now your story is one of lament, I want to encourage you to find comfort in a God who doesn't just see it, but feels it deeply with you. When Jesus looks at the world as it is and sees the grief and the pain and the despair, he weeps. Jesus laments. This is a really funny way to start a message on healing, isn't it? You know, I want to suggest that sometimes that we can live a story that suggests that we have to, we believe as people of faith that we always must live at this level of optimism. We sit in this in-between time where Jesus has broken into our world and the kingdom of God has come in power, yet we still wait for the day when all things are redeemed and sit fully under the rule and reign of Jesus. It's this in-between time that we live in, where the kingdom is broken in in Jesus, yet it's still going to be fully consummated one day. And in the midst is going to be pain, struggle, suffering, things that we make no sense of. And I think as people of faith, sometimes we sit in the mess and we lament as Jesus did because we know that this is not the way things are meant to be. But sometimes the best thing that you can do as you sit with someone in the midst of their despair and their grief is not come up with all the kind of catchphrase answers, not try and make it all okay, not tell them that everything's rosy, but sit with them as Jesus did and weep. The greatest ministry that we can sometimes give is not the easy answer, but to enter into the story. Now, if I finished it there, that would be a message that doesn't feel like a great message to give on the day of a church party, does it? Live in lament. 
I'm not suggesting we go looking for lament, but I just want to suggest that we don't stray from it when we find ourselves in it because God himself laments at the brokenness of the world and God himself weeps in the midst of your pain. Take comfort from that today. But if we read John 11 with a fuller perspective, we see that John actually writes a parallel story to the one of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And to get a really true sense of what grows out of lament, because the difference with lament in the Christian world is lament is always pointing to hope. We lament because we have hope. We lament because we know there's something better. We lament not because there's nothing we can see that's going to be better. We lament because we groan and crave for the day when Jesus actually comes in power and brings all things to their proper and right conclusion. So now I want you to listen to the story in its entirety. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, the Lord, uh, to Jesus, Lord, the love, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Get your head around that. Jesus loved them so much he decided to delay his trip to go see his sick friend. He delayed for two days and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, the Jews believed that one day there would be a final resurrection. But Jesus then says this, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, it's not coming, it's arrived. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
But some said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let me take you back to the chair that Mary and Martha and Lazarus sit in. Because the question they keep asking is, where is Jesus? Is he good? Is he powerful? Is he sovereign? Is he going to be present? Yet when we get the parallel picture as they're asking the question of where is Jesus in the midst of our grief and pain, Jesus is on the other side that hears of their grief and pain and does something incredible. He says, we're just going to wait. We're just going to wait. You see, sometimes God acts in ways that don't make sense to us. Sometimes God's timing doesn't line up with our timing. Sometimes what God wants to achieve through our circumstances, we don't have a perspective of. The Gospel of John, where that story is told, wants to answer a really significant question for us. And it's this question, what does the world look like when God's in charge? What does the world look like when God is in charge, when Jesus is king? What do things look like when the rule and the reign of God is in everything? It's this concept known as the kingdom of God. And this story points us to an answer. When Jesus is in charge, the stone gets rolled back from the grave and we walk into a new creation, a new redemption, a new life. Healing and resurrection is part of the story of Jesus. You see, right up to this point in the story of John, Jesus has been walking the streets bringing physical healing into people's lives bring spiritual healing into people's lives as they're released from some of the things that have oppressed them. But to this point, they get to the story and no one believes that there could be something so much more. And so they lament that Jesus didn't turn up in their moment of need, but Jesus says, I want to take you to a new part of this story. This isn't just about physical healing. This is about something completely different. This is about new creation and resurrection. And so Jesus walks in and says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So they'd seen Jesus heal, but now there was something more. And Jesus is making an important statement about his goodness, his power, his presence, and his sovereignty. That which has been corrupted in this world would be reversed in the presence of Jesus the King. So the question is, will Jesus heal? Can Jesus heal? Does Jesus healed. I want to suggest that it's always affected by God's timing and not ours. You see, right now, some of us sit in an intervening time where our prayers are not being answered, or at least not being answered in the way that we hoped that God would answer them. But there's always another perspective. There's always another perspective. And for some, our healing will come in the midst of our current affliction. But for some, we will continue to wait. 
You see, for me, healing is one of those great mysteries. You would love me to preach a sermon that finally unlocks something in the scripture for you that makes sense of it. But even as I've wrestled with this through my whole life, there's something about healing that doesn't make sense. Because healing is that moment where Jesus sometimes just steps into a moment, into a circumstance, and does something that cannot be explained. Just in the last fortnight, a pastor friend of mine, my age, one of the most gifted evangelists, church leaders, one of the, a great at leadership development, great at speaking to the younger generation. I mean, here is a guy that I looked at and thought, man, if Jesus just keeps letting him do his thing for the next 40 years of his life, there is going to be so much great fruit in the kingdom. March this year, he announced on social media to all of his friends that they discovered esophageal cancer. And so the, those around him, those that were close to him, those that were friends started all-night prayer vigils. There was prayer happening all over the globe for him. There were words of encouragement. People were gathered around in prayer. I mean, this is a great man of God that's been serving his life to grow the church. And two weeks ago, I got news that he passed away. I make no sense of that. I've also seen people that have been given no hope, that only through the power of prayer have been lifted out of their affliction and their circumstance to live a story that has gone for decades beyond what anybody thought was possible. Now, I can't always make sense of that, but the thing that I can make sense of is that God always has a perspective that we can't see. He's always writing a story that we're unaware of. And even though I sometimes have to come to terms with the fact that the things that I hope and pray for don't make sense... The promise of Jesus is that one day ultimate healing comes to all people. There was a point that's not recorded in the scripture, but I know it happened. Some years after the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus got sick again. And Lazarus, whether it was old age or whether it was disease or whether it was something, got sick again. And people probably thought, well, this has happened once. Let's pray again. But this time the miracle didn't come. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. So what do we do with this message? When life's tough, don't shy away from the lament. Because lament reminds us that the world is not the way that God forever intends it to be. But in the midst of our pain, don't not ask. Because God brings new life and new creation. God is a healer. There is no limit to the power of God. There is no limit to the healing power of God. So lament, ask, and then thirdly, I want to invite you to trust. See, the danger comes when we lament. God doesn't work on our time frame or doesn't do things the way that we would hope. And so we give up hope. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and life. And one day he will stand by a tomb and call your name out. And you'll walk free from the clutches of sin and death if you've put your faith in him. One day we'll all experience the ultimate healing of Jesus. And so what's this look like for the practice of our church? We will always find time to ask God to bring healing into people's lives. We won't do it uh, half-heartedly. We'll do it filled with faith. But when it doesn't happen the way we want, we won't give up either. 
You see, sometimes we can allow it to go two directions. We go one direction where it's like, well, what's the point of even praying? Because God's just going to do what he wants anyway. So it's just a, well, your will be done. Or we can go the other direction, which says we just aren't praying well enough, loud enough, faith-filled enough. We need to shout more, rant more, do it differently. We've got to work harder at this. I reckon both edges of that are really unhelpful. Theologian Tom Wright says this, it's important to wrestle with the question of healing rather than just pushing it one way and saying we must always pray and God will always do what we want. Or saying, well, it's probably not going to happen, so let's just pray thy will be done. We can collapse into one of those two directions. It seems to me that the path of wisdom is to hold on in the middle, even though that's uncomfortable. And so that's where we're going to sit in the uncomfortable middle that says, Jesus, we know that you are good. We know that you're powerful. We know that you're present. And we're going to ask that you would move in power because God is a healing God. But God, we're going to trust you that even if things don't go the way we hope and expect and pray, that you have a perspective that right now we can't see, but it's going to write a good story for every single one of us. Whatever you walk through now, God feels your pain. He sits in the midst of your pain and he weeps with you. He laments with you. The pain you feel, the suffering you feel, the grief you experience, the loss you go through, that is not the world as God intends it. And it's not the world that one day will sit under the rule and reign of Jesus. But in this intervening time, we have a saviour who weeps with us. But also we have a saviour who is powerful to bring change. And so today as we land, I'm going to get the band to come and join me. We're going to sing a song we've been singing for a little while and I hope the words can take on some new meaning for us today. It's a song called Waymaker, and there's a little section in there that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. I want to pray that you might sing those words differently today because it's an invitation to say, Jesus, I'm just going to trust your sovereignty and your perspective. And in the moments where everything feels unjust and it feels like nothing makes sense and God, prayers are being rained down from heaven and it feels like you are distant. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Lament, ask, allow God to do the miracle. But regardless of the outcome, trust that he has a perspective that always reminds us that he is good, he is powerful. He is sovereign and he is present. Let me pray. God, all of us feel the pain of this messed up world we live in. For some of us today, that pain is found in broken relationship. For some of us today, Jesus, that pain is found in, in the physical reality of what we carry, the disease in our body. some of us, God, it's, it's just our sense of well-being. Lord, for some of us, just the deep grief we, we feel as we look at the suffering, the suffering of the innocent and the messed up world in which we live. God, we lament at that. This is not the way things are meant to be. God, you lamented that. This is not the world that you created. Father, in the midst of that, you bring us hope. And today, Jesus, we stand and we, we declare, you are good. You are powerful. You are sovereign. 
you are present. And Father, I want to invite you in this moment, in this place today, that you would move in power. God, every healing in the scripture came when someone asked or someone brought someone to you. Jesus, you turned your face towards them and you brought something brand new into their life. Jesus, I just believe today you might want to do that for some of us. But God, regardless of the outcome of our prayers, may we always choose to trust. Lord, sometimes the story you're writing, we don't, we don't have the whole picture. We don't see the full details. We don't understand all of the outcomes. But Jesus, we can trust you. You are the resurrection and the life. Hey, as we sing this song today, why don't we all stand this morning? There is no limit to God's power to heal. And so today as we finish this series, we land this morning, I'd love us just to stand and pray with some of you that right now just crave God to move mightily and miraculously in your life in the area of healing. The beauty of this is when we pray, it's only God that can do anything. There's nothing special about anyone that prays. It's just the invitation for God to move in might. And then as I said in the scriptures, healing seems to always follow the ask. There's got to be a place where we don't just sit in it, but we actually come and go, God, here I am. Maybe for you today, it's the first time. Maybe for you, you've been praying this prayer for a hundred times and you're just willing to say again, okay, God, if today's the day, I just want to give you the opportunity to do something miraculous in my life. We'd love to pray for you. No, no pomp and ceremony in that, but just a deep belief that we believe in a good, powerful, sovereign, present God. That today might just want to break into your story and do something incredible. But we're also going to pray that regardless of the outcome, regardless of what the next week looks like, that you would continue to trust the good perspective of God who is working something good in your life even when you can't see it and even when you can't feel it. So as we sing this song this morning, if you'd like to receive prayer, why don't you just make your way to the front. Some of our leaders, uh, no professional praise in this church, but some of our leaders, life group leaders, our campus leadership group, those that just have a heart to pray for you might want to come forward and we'll just give you a bit of space. We're going to do that COVID appropriately, but why don't you come forward and let us pray for you. And why don't the rest of us just sing this song with new eyes and new perspective. God is always at work. And one day we will all stand in the presence of King Jesus and declare that all things have been made new and right and whole again. That is worth celebrating. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.